0: guys, welcome to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick Podcast. I'm Nina Spears, your host, the Baby Chick, and today we're chatting with Dr. Sarah Reardon, the vagina whisperer. Dr. Reardon is a physical therapist, board-certified women's health and pelvic floor therapist, and a mom of two. In 2006, Dr. Reardon created her business, The Vagina Whisperer, so women could finally get the care and attention they deserve when it comes to pelvic floor health. Today, we are talking about how to heal your pelvic floor after baby and everything that comes along with that. Dr. Reardon believes we shouldn't be normalizing pelvic floor problems; we should be instead normalizing pelvic floor conversations, and we couldn't agree more. And that is why we are so excited to learn more from Dr. Rudin. So let's welcome her to the show. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining us today and being our guest on our podcast, Chick Chat. Thanks so much for having me, Nina. Oh my gosh, it is our pleasure. Sarah, I've been so excited to chat with you because as a postpartum doula, all the things that you talk about are things that I talk about with my clients and I'm like, oh, you have to follow her. (laughs) You need to know all the things. But for people who are tuning in and listening to you and aren't familiar with your work, we'd love for you to share a bit about yourself and your background and what really led you to where you are today.
1: Absolutely. So my name is Sarah Reardon. I'm a pelvic floor physical therapist and have been a pelvic floor PT for all of my career, which has been about 15 years. I went to traditional physical therapy school and thought I was going to be a sports physical therapist for the New Orleans Saints. And somewhere along that grad school journey, I was introduced to women's health physical therapy, which was very general and it wasn't as specific to the pelvis. And I did a residency like a three-month stint in pelvic floor thinking, oh, this will just be really interesting to learn about my own body as a woman. And then I really was attracted to just not only knowing more about my body, but also helping other people understand their bodies. And they were coming in with these really intimate issues of constipation or painful intercourse or challenges postpartum. And to be able to help them with something they didn't know where to get help was so rewarding. And so I just jumped right into pelvic floor PT right after graduating in 2007. And then with my own experience as a mom, I have two little boys who are five and seven. It's just really, I think, helped me so much with my personal journey. And it's been amazing to connect with other women and moms, you know, going through some of the same things I've gone through.
0: It's so true. I feel like it's just like this taboo topic that people don't want to talk about. Maybe they're having issues or struggles with certain things, especially post-birth. And to be able to have just a comforting place that they know, okay, I'm not alone. And these are things that other women experience. And this is how I can get help. Because I think so many of these things, people just kind of say like, well, this is my new normal. Like, I guess this is just what my life is going to be like from now on. Like, It doesn't have to be that way. And I just love how you address all of these things in a just approachable and real way.
1: So. No, absolutely. And I think I started the Vagina Whisperer Instagram account really for my group of girlfriends who we were all having babies around the same time. And they were saying, hey, can you tell me about perineal massage? Or like, what do I need postpartum? And so I just started it sharing my own pregnancy and birth experience with my second kiddo. And then they kind of told their friends, and it just kind of very organically grew. And I think the growth of the Instagram account is really a testament to how much people really want to know this information. And it can feel really isolating. And it can feel like, oh, is this just part of my new life? And I have to accept this. But I work with patients all throughout the day where I'm like, no, so many people experience this, but there's help for it. And you shouldn't just have to accept it as like my new mom bod.
0: Yes, yes. And I love that you have that as like a free resource, your Instagram page for moms. So then it's just kind of like that, almost gateway into getting real physical therapy help if they really do need it for their bodies, which is so cool. And I love how you call your, you know, you
1: named your account the vagina whisperer. I was like, she's just going for it. I love that. (laughs) Well again, you know, it was really my group of girlfriends. They came up with the name when I was, you know, after grad school and they were like, oh, you're like the vagina whisperer. And I was like, I guess so, you know. So again, it's really just been organic. It's been wonderful. And I think all of the messages that I receive about, thank you so much for sharing this. And this has been so helpful. They're so rewarding for me personally that it really keeps driving the mission that we need to elevate this conversation. And I always say we need to normalize the conversation, not normalize the problem.
0: Yes. Yes. I love how you stated that. And I'm curious. Sarah, like what is your knowledge of postpartum care? Like how has that evolved in your practice? Like you've said that you studied it and then you became a mom. And like, I'm sure from the beginning to where you are now, things have really evolved. So I'm curious about that evolution.
1: Absolutely. You know, I practiced for almost 10 years before becoming a mother. And in those 10 years as a pelvic health PT, I knew all of the kind of traditional coursework and how to walk a mom through birth preparation and postpartum recovery, but until I went through it myself I was like, "Oh my gosh, I know all of this information and it's still really really hard." And so I think just having, you know, really encouraging moms to have a little bit more grace for their bodies, for the timeline that it takes to heal. I know for myself I was four weeks postpartum and I was like, "I want to get back to running. I want to get back to working out, but in my head, I knew I really need to pace this and take it slowly and, and start re-strengthening before I do high impact stuff. So I think I felt the tug that a lot of moms feel about wanting to get back to our normal life, but also thinking I have to kind of be smart. I have to be patient and use the knowledge that I have. And I think that that's also with the Instagram account, it's like everybody should have access to this information. Like we should have these postpartum recovery plans available to everyone who is birthing. And so it's really been great to share that information. And I also think as a mom, I realized like you can't give a mom a 30-minute workout routine a day. (laughs) Like How do we just fit in the little bitty things throughout the day when we're momming or working or taking care of kiddos? So it's just being a little bit more realistic about what we can accomplish.
0: Yes. Yes. And like you say, like in your Instagram accounts, you give just really everyday like practical things that people can do that it's not so overwhelming and that can just help them realize, learn more about their body, how it works, how to heal and where to get help. So that's so cool. And I want to know, what is your opinion of the state of postpartum care in our country, the United States? And I'm sure what I... Think I know your answer. <laughs> and I'm I want to know like, are we failing moms? Like, what is your what are your thoughts on all of this?
1: You know, I actually did a TEDx talk in 2019. It's called Rethinking Postpartum Care. And it was just a really amazing opportunity to kind of dig deep into how I felt as a clinician, but also how I felt as a mom. And I have seen both sides of this and I do think that we're failing moms. And I don't think it's just with respect to pelvic health. I think it's with respect to paid paternal leave with postpartum health care, check-ins, really putting in the infrastructure to help moms thrive after giving birth instead of feeling like we are failing, flailing, surviving for months to years afterwards. And I had a conversation with my husband about this because there's been so much going on with respect to reproductive rights in in the news and the media. And he was like, well, you know, maybe we just need more women in politics and women, you know, who are heads of organizations and corporations. And I said, do you know how hard it is to get there sometimes when you're a mom? Like 43% of moms take leave for some period of time within the first five years after giving birth. So they leave their careers for a period of time. And those statistics just are not the same for male bodies. And so there just does have to be more support. And I think where I am as a pelvic health physical therapist, I feel a little bit like it's David versus Goliath. Like, I'm just like, we need to do better. Why aren't we doing better? Here are the resources to do better. And you just feel like you're kind of constantly having to repeat that and just kind of, you know, educate physicians and doctors and hospital systems on why aren't we changing the things that are not working because the research is clear that moms and and women are struggling
0: yeah yeah. I saw your TED talk, and so great. I highly recommend it to those. We'll add that in the show notes for for people who are wanting that information. And I totally agree. And that's why I think it's important for us to have these conversations. and we're so appreciative of people like you who I know that you feel like you said it's David versus Goliath, but it really does take one person to like start this conversation. And and then other people can really recognize like, okay, this is something that's important. This is something that women really deserve, especially post-baby. And we need to start raising our voices and making a change. So I don't want you to feel, at least for me to you, like I don't want you to feel like it's falling on deaf ears because it's definitely not. And the more that we have this conversation, I think that then the next generation is just going to be stronger and more equipped and able to speak up for themselves and advocate for themselves and so yeah I just had
1: to add that for no, you. No, <laughs> you're totally right and and I see that. I mean in the past 5 years I've just been on social media there's just been a huge evolution of you know people saying we can do better, I want to do better. They're asking their physicians or midwives for pelvic floor physical therapy. They're going during pregnancy now and not even just waiting until postpartum and there's just more awareness that this is a resource. And again, I I totally agree with you if we if we know better, we can educate the next generation on their bodies, on their reproductive systems, on their menstrual health and on their sexual health about you know what's normal and what's not and where do you go for help when something isn't functioning the way that you feel like it's supposed to. So I really love what I do and I feel really lucky that I found this field and I can't say enough good things about I really consider it an honor when patients come into our clinic and they're sharing the most intimate details of your life and you get to kind of walk alongside them and and see them heal and have amazing birth experiences or have a different birth experience if their first one was challenging or a different postpartum recovery and it's just awesome. And so I feel like I'm just the coach and it's really the patients and all the women out there who are doing all the hard work and just doing an amazing job taking care of themselves.
0: That is so cool. And you basically kind of led me into my next question. You kind of answered it, but I want you to like dig into this a little bit more. Like how early should a mom begin to think about their pelvic health? I love how you said that it's even before the baby. So I want you to get a bit more specific on that. And are there things that she can begin doing during her pregnancy? Absolutely.
1: So with respect to just pregnancy specifically, I would say even preconception, you know, having an understanding if you have pain with intercourse, if you have urinary incontinence, if you have constipation, um, those are all signs or symptoms that you should probably check in with a pelvic floor physical therapist. And then when you are pregnant, I start seeing clients as early as first trimester. We don't do anything internally through the vagina until second trimester. And again, as long as it's an uncomplicated pregnancy and there's you know nothing we need to be cautious of, But I say at the start of second trimester, you should be checking with a pelvic PT and really just saying like, where am I? How's my abdominal wall? How's my pelvic floor? Are there things I need to address with respect to back pain or constipation? And we really educate moms on how to just do things to prevent pelvic floor and core issues. So how do you get out of bed properly? How do you pick up your toddler when you're eight or nine months pregnant? What are safe exercises to do or exercise modifications so that you're preventing problems? And then in third trimester, we really go over ways to push, different things to help progress labor, how to do perineal massage, things to just help moms feel really empowered going into that process, even having their partners come in for a session to go over what to expect with respect to pelvic floor health and, and relaxation during birth. So there's just so much education. I always say, I'm like, we don't run a marathon without training. So why aren't we like helping moms train physically and, you know, emotionally and intellectually for this huge transformation that our bodies are going to go through?
0: That's so true. That's so true. And that sounds extremely helpful. How long are your sessions typically with uh, your patients?
1: So our sessions are about an hour long. If we have the luxury, we can see moms typically three to four times during the pregnancy process, but definitely during third trimester to go over a lot of birth preparation and postpartum recovery tips. And then we like to see them between four to six weeks postpartum. So our sessions are one-on-one in a private treatment room. It's with one physical therapist. And just a lot of this is just education. And kind of, you know, we watch these old childbirth videos and these old childbirth and labor education classes. And some of them just don't really offer the practical tips of like, this is how you need to pee and poop after giving birth. And this is when you can get back to running. And this is, you know, if sex is uncomfortable, this may be why. So they're really like practical things that we need to know to recover after giving birth.
0: That's so helpful. And I love that it's an hour because if, for listeners out there, if you're going to a doctor, you're probably noticing that your prenatal visits are like Fifteen minutes, (laughs) 30 minutes, if you're lucky, because they do have other patients and other things going on. And so to be able to have that one-on-one time with your pelvic floor physical therapist, I find that so helpful that you really get that undivided attention and time and education and that it's specific to your body's needs, that it's not just general education for like, yes, there's probably some things that apply to everyone, but also things that you need to keep in mind when you are going through your birth after, you know, getting an assessment and and realizing like what's going on with your body. Is that,
1: is that true? Absolutely. I mean, this goes for cesarean birth as well. I mean, 30% of births in the U.S. are cesarean birth. And so oftentimes I feel like people think, oh, I don't need pelvic floor PT because I'm going to have a cesarean. And, but there's so much that you can do again, everything with peeing, pooping, sexual health, postpartum recovery with your scar. And there's just how to pick up your baby stretches to start doing within the first week or two there's just a lot of information I feel like we can really help guide people on so they feel empowered and they don't feel like, oh, gosh, I wish I would have known this sooner.
0: Yes. Oh, I love that. Oh, man. Okay. So, Sarah, now I need to know, like, what are the most common pelvic floor issues you see in postpartum women?
1: So I would say there's probably one of the biggest ones that we don't often think about is actually painful intercourse. So 9 out of 10 birthing folks will have pain the first time they have intercourse after giving birth, whether it's a cesarean or vaginal. So that's a really common one often due to vaginal dryness if you're lactating or breastfeeding. Scar tissue, if you've had a perineal tear and episiotomy, or even a cesarean scar can actually cause pelvic floor restriction from the abdominal wall. Another really common one is urinary incontinence or leakage. So oftentimes that can be experienced during pregnancy. And then we think, oh, after the baby, it'll just go away. But if you have pelvic floor weakness from pushing or you know a large baby or straining or just your muscles are tired you can often have incontinence and loss of urine especially if you return to high impact exercise or something like that and abdominal wall separation which is also called diastasis recti so that's a really common issue during pregnancy. It can still persist postpartum. And again, there are exercises that we can train women on of how to kind of heal their diastasis and re-strengthen it so that they have you know less back pain, they have better pelvic floor support, and they can do exercises really safely.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. And what are your top pelvic floor healing tips for the things that you've listed, like for moms
1: after, let's start with first vaginal birth. So it's interesting, for birth in general, probably one of the more common questions I get is when can I go back to doing blank? And I am a huge, huge advocate of like taking it super easy the first month. So the first four weeks, I'm like rest, hydrate, have your first pee. So when you urinate, like sit, breathe, relax, don't push when you pee, have your first bowel movement, sit, relax, hydrate, but take a stool softener so that you, for the first two weeks so that you're not straining with bowel movements, which can be your first bowel movement after birth can be scarier than birth sometimes. And then just start with gentle mobility, like walking and doing some gentle breathing exercises and really kind of letting your body recover before we ask it to go that extra mile of doing fitness. It's really tricky though because a lot of us want to work out for our mental health or want to start feeling like ourselves again. So it's just a little bit of balance between – I find that my moms that take it easier the first month and then start retraining their pelvic floor and core do way better than the moms who jump right into exercise too early. So, you know, we talked about peeing and pooping. I recommend starting pelvic floor and abdominal strengthening between four to six weeks. I created an online program to kind of really help moms walk step-by-step through simple things like bridges and pelvic tilts and how to get back to doing squats and lunges and really strengthening the pelvic floor and core in a very systematic way versus they think like, oh, but I could lift this much weight before I was pregnant and I could run this far before I was pregnant. And I always say you really need to kind of restrengthen and build your foundation before you build back up with exercise. So, you know, the current recommendation is to wait until 12 weeks postpartum to return to running or high intensity exercise. And then the last one would probably be intercourse. So allow your body to heal at least six weeks. It's fine to wait longer. I think I waited three months after my second baby and like, I don't even know if I felt like it, <laughs> you know? So give your time, your body time. Just because you hit six weeks doesn't mean you have to. And then also using a lubricant to decrease friction and improve pleasure. If it's painful, it's okay to stop. You can retry a couple of days later. And if it continues to be painful, check in with a pelvic floor therapist. So don't push through pain when it comes to intercourse as well.
0: Yeah, for people who are pushing through pain, is there are they potentially
1: like, is
0: there any other damage that they're causing with that? Or is, what are your thoughts on that? So I
1: think that, you know, I can't say that it's like actual there could be some physical discomfort but i wouldn't say it's damage. so but typically when we experience something that's painful like painful sex or touching a hot burner on the stove, our bodies tend to tense up in response to that. and what happens is that we already start guarding in our muscles before we even do the act. so i find that you know moms who've had pain with intercourse before anybody even touches them sometimes they start tensing their muscles which makes intercourse even more uncomfortable and they kind of get stuck in this cycle. So sex should be pleasurable, it shouldn't be painful, and it shouldn't just be tolerable. And so I think really helping moms understand, hey, this is happening because you have some scar tissue or the pelvic floor muscles are tighter tense or your cesarean scar just needs to be a little bit you know, less restricted and helping them really give them the tools to help them relieve some of that tension to make sex more comfortable
0: yeah. and I love how you said that this also can affect c-section moms because I think you're so right. So many people think, Ah, no, my my kid came out from the belly, not from my vagina, So I'm not going to be experiencing those problems, but they really can. And so, what about mothers who have had c-sections? like what are your what are your tips for them?
1: Do you have anything different for for mamas who have had C-sections? Absolutely. So I think for early postpartum recovery for c-section moms, same thing peeing, pooping. But one of the biggest ones is getting up and walking day one. It can often feel like the last thing you want to do is get up and move, but having them still follow some of the pregnancy guidelines with rolling to your side, using your arms to push up, those kind of things, because you just had major abdominal surgery. But moving day one and getting up and pushing the bassinet in the hospital, pushing the stroller to kind of really help get upright and open up your belly and chest. From the very beginning those things are super important. But then I also, you know, I encourage icing their cesarean scar for the first week, you know, 20 minutes on, 20 minutes off to help improve swelling and help with healing. Using silicone scar strips after about two weeks or once the scar is kind of closed, you can start using a silicone scar strip to help the scar heal and soften. And then I also recommend using one of those abdominal supports. It's not a belly binder. It's not a belt, a waist cincher. It's a really soft kind of white, the hospital will give it to you, like belly support for the first four to six weeks. So just give them a little bit more abdominal support because again, they just had a baby and they just had surgery.
0: I think people do call them like belly binders, but they're not like a technical belly binder because they're like, I don't know what else to call this.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's like, I mean, we really call them like abdominal supports or compression supports, but I just really, I don't recommend like waist cinchers or hip cinchers because that is just so tight and it's really not great for your pelvic floor when you're squeezing no. the waist, all the pressure goes to your pelvic oh, floor. No. So Yes. So just something supportive and compressive and comfortable.
0: Yes, I totally agree. That's why I'm always, whenever people are like, oh, I want to get like a belly band, I'm like, okay, just don't put so much pressure because then it's literally, think about it. You're pushing all of your organs downward to your pelvic floor and it's only making your pelvic floor weaker. So it should just feel like a comfortable, like hug, like a good extra support, but not to the point where you're trying to like cinch and like actually rearrange your. Organs. (laughs) Right, right.
1: I had a mom who called me recently after her birth and she was like, I'm wearing this belly binder, but every time I like bend over to pick something up, I pee. And I was like, Well, it's probably too tight. Take it off, (laughs) you know, because it's telling you that pressure doesn't have anywhere to go. So it's going down to your pelvic floor, which is contributing to weakness when it's already pretty vulnerable after pregnancy and birth. So just simple things like that that we, you know, moms just don't know, but this is why it's so helpful to have that kind of education in advance.
0: Yes, and that's and that's why we're talking to you, Sarah. <laughs> this is so helpful for moms who are like, "Oh my gosh, I didn't even think about this." And this is support that's available to me. And I can dive into this information to see if I'm probably more susceptible than to someone else because I'm already experiencing some of these issues. So this is really, really cool. And how do you recommend new mothers prioritize self-care for themselves? And why do you feel that this is important, Sarah?
1: You know, this is such a great question. And I, you know, have to be super honest. I don't know if I've figured this out myself and my kids are five and seven. You know, I think we all know kind of intellectually, if you take care of yourself, you can take better care of your babies, of your relationship, you know, all of these things. But it's hard. I mean, there are times where you literally just feel like, You just want to go sit in the closet and cry. And sometimes that is self-care, taking a two to five minute break and sitting in the closet and crying. But I think in the early days, what I really recommend to moms early, early postpartum is like, try to do one thing that just makes you feel like you. And literally some days that may be brushing your teeth. That may be taking a shower. And people are like, oh, you know, showering shouldn't be self-care. But the fact of the matter is when you have a newborn and you're postpartum, it is self-care because that's something that can easily be put to the wayside and you don't give yourself those little windows of opportunity a friend of mine was like, go for a drive every day. And that wasn't really what worked for me. I didn't really want to go for a drive. I wanted to go for a walk and get some sunshine or I needed to just text my girlfriends and just say like, this is really hard right now. And so I think finding little, you know, eating a meal, sitting down. I was like eating leftovers off my kids' plates and I'm like, Sarah, sit down and have a meal. And so I think these little things that we find ourselves kind of letting slip away to just maybe pick one that you were like, every day, I'm going to do this. And it's just, that's how you kind of keep a little bit of rhythm in your day. And then these windows of time start to open up, maybe when you go back to work, or maybe when your kids are napping better, or you're pumping or breastfeeding less, and you start to kind of rediscover these little pieces of yourself that you thought you had lost. And that may be months, or that may be years later. But I really encourage people to take those opportunities, because You do want to start feeling like yourself again, but it's not even your old self. It's really a new self. And I think even five to seven years postpartum, I still have to be mindful of like, it's okay for me to step away from my kids for a second to work out or to have time with girlfriends or to work. And it really just makes me a better mom at the end of the day.
0: I agree. And I'm so glad that you said that. And I love how you said, Sarah, that, you know, in the beginning, it can be so simple as a shower. I'll often tell people like, even just changing into a fresh new pair of pajamas, like something as simple as that can just change your mindset and make you feel fresh. And it's a new day and something simple like that. Start that way. But I love how you also say that it can grow and build as, you know, your motherhood unfolds and, and to give yourself that time and, I think that the more that we start talking about this and telling other people, please tell me that you're going to take a break because once we start hearing from other people that, you know what, I'm saying no to this because I'm saying yes to me, that it'll become a new norm rather than saying yes to everything else. We need to start recognizing that, oh, wow, this mom is really prioritizing her health and wellness, whether that's mental, physical, spiritual, whatever. And so I should be doing that for myself as well. So I love how you how you put that because I think it needs to be talked about more and so that all of us
1: can make that a priority and make that normal. Absolutely. I mean, and the hard part is, I mean, it's hard. It's strangely hard for me to say no to... A lot of things, and it's also really hard for me to ask for help because I want to feel like I don't want to burden anyone or I want to do it all myself or i'm I want it done a certain way, and so you know these are kind of things that I feel like I'm evolving constantly and trying to figure out and learn how to navigate this journey better so that I don't feel like I'm cracking all of the time, and then also, I think putting up boundaries there are boundaries that we didn't realize we didn't have in place with respect to in-laws or partners or work. And I think we start to, again, those things can pull away from what we need. And it's really hard to be like, you know what, I, I don't want a visitor today, or I'm not going to take that call because it's outside of work hours. And I think we start seeing if we don't put those boundaries up, that's when the self-care really starts to kind of just maybe fall apart a little bit.
0: Yes, boundaries. Boundaries are healthy, y'all. This is so <laughs> no. good. I
1: love this. <laughs> Again, easier said than done. I talk about it with my therapist all the time, but like they are necessary.
0: They are, and it's okay to set them, and it's okay to say no. And because you know what, the person on the other end, if they don't understand, they obviously don't have healthy boundaries. And, and I'm and also that, like that's that their pro-
1: that's their problem to yeah. figure out, not yours. Yeah,
0: you exactly. Know? Exactly. Oh, I love this. Okay. And Sarah, I actually also want to go back to the whole sex thing that you were talking about, you know, how it can be uncomfortable postpartum and that a lot of people don't talk about this, especially with their partners, because they don't want their partners to feel bad, like they're doing anything wrong or inconveniencing them because they want to say no, all of that. How do you recommend women talk to their partners about some of the things, the feelings and the symptoms that they're experiencing?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And this is, you know, really tricky and it's really difficult. And so I, I think that you have to be really vulnerable. I think one of the things i recommend recommended, and I've experienced, you know, pelvic floor issues and even painful sex in the past. And it's a really difficult thing to talk about because you do kind of want to just like, Grimace and just bear through it. But I always recommend uninterrupted time, whether you have your baby in a stroller and you can kind of just go for a walk. I typically don't do well with talking about things late at night when I'm tired. So, kind of, you know, sometime early in the morning or during the day and prefacing with, hey, I'd like to talk to you about something. So there's undivided attention and we're not on our phones or multitasking. Um, and I think, you know, being really honest, like, hey, this was actually really uncomfortable for me. I'm not sure what's going on or I've read it could be this. I think I want to get it checked out. And it's kind of the equivalent to, you know, if my husband had back pain, he would probably tell me like, oh, it really hurts when I pick up the kids. I'm not sure what to do. Or if he had knee pain and he's like, hey, I, I can't do this workout for some reason. Something's like wrong with me. and And I think the way that I think about the vagina and the pelvic floor, it's just another body part. And if it's not working well, we would talk about it like we would anything else. And so again, we really want to kind of get to the point of where we can normalize these conversations, but it's hard and I get that. And sometimes you may want to go talk to your doctor first or you may want to see a pelvic floor therapist first before talking to your partner. But ultimately what you want to maintain is the connection because when you're not able to have intercourse, or you kind of avoid it, that connection can feel like it's strained, but I think talking about it can actually strengthen the connection.
0: I agree. And they want it to be pleasurable for you too. They don't want they don't they then feel bad. I at least from what I have experienced, like they're like, well, if you're not enjoying this, I don't want to do this either. <laughs> like this is a dance. This is something that's for both of us and for our relationship. And it's not just an act to act upon. So I think that it's appreciated when it's talked about so that you can find a solution to your quote unquote problem so that it can be enjoyable again.
1: I agree. And I think it's really interesting because it's really, I think we often sometimes feel like, oh, it's my problem, but it's really, it's a relationship issue that you want to tackle together. So we've had partners come in with their spouses We've had partners teach them how to do softening of the perineal scar, so they can help their partners. And really, they often want to feel like, well, what can I do to help? Because they feel like they don't know what to do. So I think that actually partner involvement can be helpful. I also think sometimes we worry like, I don't want them to think it's them or I don't want to like, we don't normally use lubricant. So I don't want them to feel like I'm like dry because of them. But these are really medical issues. I mean, these are like, well, the vaginal dryness is because of breastfeeding and low estrogen or dehydration or whatever the case may be. But it's really, you know, I think we want to kind of put it in terms of like, this is a medical condition versus like a problem that I'm experiencing because of something between us. And again, it's, it's not easy to do, but I do find that when you pull partners in, it can actually kind of help progress.
0: Yes, yes. Communication with anything in your relationship, I think, is totally key. So I I love that. And Sarah, what knowledge do you want women to be empowered with when it comes to the vagina?
1: Well, I think you just said it. I mean, like saying the word vagina is pretty empowering to start. With. <laughs> like, the it's fact that so we can simple. have, yes, the fact that we can have a podcast and talk about this because, again, they're intimate issues. So, and so often, you know, people will tell you like they're going to email you and they're going to like thank you for talking about this. I didn't know it existed, or I thought I was the only one when it's actually so common and. When people ask me why I like being a pelvic floor therapist, I'm like, because this is just another part of our bodies. And I don't know why. I'm just super comfortable talking about it. And like peas and poops are dinner table conversation for me. <laughs> so it's it's fine for me to talk about it on social media. But I think there's a couple things are, you know, I really want to encourage women to, or any birthing person, if they feel like something that is is not right with their body, to trust their intuition. It's not in your head. It's not something that may just go away with time. Like. Go ahead and talk to your medical provider, seek out a pelvic floor therapist, because the worst thing that they can tell you is, oh, you're fine. Actually, you know, things are good. You don't need this. Or they can tell you, actually, there are a couple things that we want to address. Let's go ahead and start working on it. And then it can just be so helpful. So really encouraging them to advocate for their own health, to listen to themselves if they feel like something's not right. And knowing that there are resources out there to help them, that they don't just have to feel like this is the rest of my life and I have to suffer in silence. I think that the other thing is knowing that they're not alone. It can feel really isolating when you're experiencing, you know, you're jumping on a trampoline and you're like, oh my God, I just peed my pants. Or you're having sex and you're like, oh wait, I just queefed. Or I... You know, my bladder doesn't feel right, or I can't orgasm, or it's painful. I mean, these are such common issues that we just don't talk about. And I hear about them all day. And I just want people to know that they're not alone. And then, you know, again, how to be proactive. How do we prevent issues? Not straining when you pee, you know, not straining when you poop, learning how to work out to engage our pelvic floor and core. I think there's so much that we can do to prevent pelvic floor issues that we don't all have to end up in diapers in our, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s. I just don't feel like that has to be our destiny.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I feel like, man, just talking to you, I'm like not only are you a therapist for the vagina, but like you like are a therapist, like someone that you can really talk to about such intimate things in your life and it's not scary because you have heard all of this stuff and it's so normalized. Not that it should be normal, but it's common, you know? And and I feel like that's where people are like, oh my gosh, where, where do I find someone like Sarah in my neighborhood? Um, because obviously you don't want like a million DMs. So, <laughs>
1: we a million get a million. lot of DMs. <laughs> that's okay too. We get a lot of DMs, which is fine. So there's a couple, there are a handful of ways if you're in the United States to find a pelvic floor PT in your area. There's a directory at Pelvic Rehab. .com I'm not affiliated with them but it's a it's a resource directory where you can go and look up your city and your zip code and find pelvic PTs in your area call them you know ask around ask your medical provider if they have someone they recommend another directory is The Academy of Pelvic Health, which is like the National Association of Pelvic Floor PTs. So, if you go to the Academy of Pelvic Health Physical Therapy, there's also a directory on there as well. So, you know, and then asking friends, asking medical providers. I mean, you know, do a Google search. More often, if you look up pelvic floor PT near me, a lot of us will pop up and then you can kind of look at their website and read bios and call them and ask questions. I think it still feels a little bit mysterious. So it's totally fine to ask questions, but more often than not, once people come in, they'll tell us that they're you know nervous and and everything. But I think that they feel so much better after having shared their story and receiving tips to help that they're really glad they did it.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I highly doubt there is anyone who's like, man, I really regretted seeing Sarah. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> wow. I'm sure they're
1: out there. And again, I mean, I'm not the physical therapist for everyone, so that's the other thing that I've had people come to me and I'm like if I'm not the right medical provider for you, I'll help you find another one and if I'm not right, the right p t it's just like working with a doula or a midwife or physician or a psychotherapist like it has to be someone that you feel is the right match so another p t posted years ago, and I've always thought this was really accurate. Like you don't try on a pair of pants and you're like, oh, they don't fit and just stop wearing pants. Like if you go to PT and it's not the right fit, then like you can try another PT and that's fine.
0: Yes. Or you try on that pants, oh, it's not the right fit, but just like force yourself to fit in them. You go and find another pair of pants that fits you. Um, I say that all the time with ob gins or midwives or doulas. And now I love that also with PTs. Like, yeah, you have to find the right fit for you because everyone is so different. And I always love the whole thing of like man, you could be the sweetest peach, the best, sweetest, ripest peach, but there's going to be someone who doesn't like peaches. You know? (laughs) Find your person and it's okay to look around and shop around. I, I love that. And Sarah, like if you could just offer one piece of advice to a postpartum mother, what would that be?
1: Wow. You know, this is so cheesy and cliche, but I honestly feel like take it slow. Again, I think that in the world that we live in, it's about going and doing and and performing and feeling like we're failing if we're not constantly producing. And I feel like when you are postpartum, sometimes you just have to be right where you are. And it's often in the early postpartum days, like you're in the trenches. You are sleep deprived and confused and emotional and physically impaired. And I think sometimes just knowing that like you just take it day by day and know that each day, you will start healing more and more. And sometimes it feels like, oh my gosh, I'm back at square one. And that's not the case. But like taking it really slow and giving yourself time to recover, it's a 10 month process of pregnancy. And then birth in itself is difficult. And then breastfeeding and lactating is its own challenge. And so I think realizing that you're in these really challenging seasons, just be like, okay, every other mom before me has done this. Like I can do this. And just giving yourself some grace of the physical and emotional part of that process. I think the other thing is like, you got to get help. Like we are not designed to navigate all of this on our own. And our society is not set up to have all of the social support that moms used to have with family and communities nearby to support them. So I would say that my group of mom friends carried me through my 30s. Like just that text chain, that person that you can just be like, am I crazy? Or what do I do? Or an Instagram account or a Facebook community. I mean, anything. And you will realize that there is so much support out there. And becoming a mom, as challenging as it has been, you realize that there is this crew, this group of people that you don't even know, but we are all rooting for each other. We are like, we have been there. We will help you. I mean, I've had moms like, help me on planes with my kids and they don't know me or give me snacks for my kids because I forgot mine or give me diapers or carry my stroller. I mean, I think we all just recognize the challenges of having this role and everybody just wants to like help you. So really working hard to find that community and that support network and then giving yourself some grace that this takes a lot of time and you're not failing, even though it feels like you're failing sometimes.
0: Yeah. Just, yeah, be easy on yourself. You're doing better than you know. I love all that. That is so great, Sarah. And are there any resources that you recommend like our listeners look into to learn more about pelvic floor health?
1: Sure. You know, I think there's a ton of stuff on social media right now. two websites that I listed if you're looking for pelvic health physical therapists. And then I can just suggest obviously my own website, which has a ton of blog posts, not just about pregnancy and postpartum, but just general pelvic health, pelvic pain, painful intercourse, menopause, all kinds of just pelvic health related conditions. And then my online platform, which just has, it's got workouts for pregnancy and postpartum pelvic floor strengthening. But then we also have one for people who maybe have never had kids, but they have tension. So painful sex, tailbone pain, pelvic pain, things like that. So, you know, I really think a goal of pelvic floor therapists is that we want it to be accessible when you're a new mom, or you may be in a geographical region where you can't go to a PT or just don't have childcare or transportation. Like how can you access this information? So I think these are great resources for y'all.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much for that. And any final thoughts or advice that you have for our listeners?
1: Oh, girl. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I just want everybody to know that I am like just taking it day by day as well. Like I am far from the early postpartum days, but I'm in a new season of motherhood with two school-aged kids and we're coming out of two years of navigating COVID. And, you know, I think we're all just trying to figure it out. And when sometimes when you see those other moms and you're just like, gosh, they look like they have it together or like we are all just trying to keep it together. And some of us do it behind the scenes and some of us do it in front of a camera. But again, I think we're all kind of in this together and no matter how lonely it can feel that you're never really alone.
0: Amen. I feel like even the ones who look all, all put together sometimes can be the ones that are really struggling too. So do not judge your hot mess self because they're probably <laughs> just as much of a hot mess, but just covering it up a little bit better.
1: Yeah. Well, like, check me out. I'm like always like top knot workout clothes, but don't really work out, you know? So it's like we're all just, you know, we're all just trying to keep it together, but you're doing great. And I don't think we give ourselves enough credit. I
0: agree with that. And Sarah, do you have anything new and exciting going on that we need to know about?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm always with my membership. Series. I launched it just in November of 2021 and it's now June 2022, which is hard to believe it's been six months, but it's been awesome. Just the feedback I've gotten about, like, thank you so much for telling us about everything week by week during pregnancy, what we need to do, how to prepare for birth, you know, postpartum recovery. And then I just launched my pelvic floor relaxation and painful sex series. So, yeah, just lots of like resources and tips out there. And then in three months, I try to roll something out in three months. So, in just a couple months from now, I'll be doing something specifically for childbirth preparation and early postpartum. So that kind of zero to six week period after giving birth, like how do you heal? What can you do? How do you pee and poop or take care of your baby? So just a lot of those really practical tips I share on Instagram, but kind of in one easy to find place.
0: Amazing. Oh, so cool. And congratulations to you. That's so that's super awesome and we're so grateful that you're putting all this great content out there for for all of us. So, how cool. And of course, now Sarah, where can our listeners find you?
1: <laughs> so, I'm on Instagram at the vagina whisper, so it's the period vagina period whisper. And then my website is com. Both of those places, you'll get tons of resources. And I just thank you so much for having me. It's just such a joy and pleasure to talk about all of this stuff. And um, I really love it. So thank you.
0: Oh my gosh. It is our absolute pleasure. I have to thank you again for just like sharing your knowledge with us. And it's just obvious your passion. And I was super excited that you said yes to, to talking with us because I really do feel like this is an important topic that we need to talk more about for expecting moms, for postpartum moms, whether they've had a vaginal birth or a cesarean, and even people who haven't had babies. Like this, these are real conversations that we need to, that need to be had. And I'm just so grateful that we had this conversation with you. Thank you, of course. And for our listeners out there, like Sarah said, to learn more about her, you can visit her on her website at thevagwhisperer.com or on Instagram at the vagina.whisperer. Our team will be posting today's episode on our Baby Chick Facebook page, so if you have any questions or comments about our discussion, please share them with us in the comments section. And as always, if you haven't already, please subscribe to Chick Chat the Baby Chick Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us an honest review. Cheers to taking care of you down there.